he is in my mind one of the best finger spinners this game has provided ever actually and um, it's not Jadeja, it's not Mitch Santner, but it's in fact the man, the myth, the legend, Joe. Yu. <laughs> he is honestly <laughs> one of <laughs> he is one of the greatest players in the game and the game that has to offer Dude. right now. Hey everyone, welcome to the fourth Silly Points podcast. I'm here with Preston and Rishi, and I'm Suraj. Um, this one's going to be a shorter one, but uh, we'll be talking about the IPL matches. There's two of them, RCB and Kings Eleven, and uh, Mumbai Indians versus KKR. Um, we'll go into detail on those, and then um, we'll also be talking about um, Omar Gold's retirement, briefly mentioning that, and as well as Ashwin, and whether he should play ODIs for India and T20s for India. Let's just get started. And um, the first game is RCB versus Kings Eleven. Kings Eleven taking the win, um, chasing a total of 171 and finishing off with 177 for two wickets. Um, they played it very well. Um, it was very surprising, honestly, given their recent form. Why don't you guys take it away? Yeah, well, as an RCB fan, it pains me to see the top performers for Kings Eleven because if you look, you know, Mayank, Gail Rahul, Chris Gale, um, Murugan Ashwin, who did bits with the ball. You have Chris Jordan, who bowled well. You know, what do all of these guys have in common? Yeah, they were absolutely, absolutely, they were absolutely, oh, well, Gail, Gail KL exclusive. They were absolutely far CB. Yeah, they were beyond woeful. And I think, you know, seeing them do well is... And it's not like they've been having standout seasons themselves. Like, of course, Gail and Mayank have been doing great. But, like, the fact that the first game Chris Gale comes in this IPL and tonks a 50 against us, the fact that, you know, Jordan suddenly remembered how to bowl in the IPL and Murugan Ashwin doesn't have hands made of butter, it just stings that extra bit. But I think, yeah, this, this game, you know, did have a lot of questionable decisions made by RCB and the management. And I think this is a sort of wake-up call that, hey, we're not we're not in the playoffs yet. It's not the time to be experimenting. And I think that's a sort of wake-up call. Yeah. We need it to be on our best for the coming fixtures. Yeah, very, very avoidable loss. Got to really got to question Kohli's decision-making, not just in the obvious, which is obviously Avery Village batting at six after Washington Sundar and Shivam Dupe, which is... Which was ridiculous when when seeing it live, and even more ridiculous after seeing the result. But also, you got to question uh, his uh, bowling singe at the end. I thought early in the tournament, Coley has been good with bowling changes, but especially bringing Washington Sundar in, in the in the power play and using his death bowlers appropriately. But this time, you got to say he faltered. Bringing Washington, he was too focused on matchups and focused on making sure the ball spinning into. Ball was never spinning into a lefty or spinning into a righty. Avoided Sundar in the in the power play. We saw how that went. Mayank and Kale freely used the power play. And when Chris Gale came in, he refused to give Chahal the third over. In fact, bold Mohamed Siraj, who got who, as most RC fans know, got taken apart yet again. Mohamed Siraj is not a quality death bowler. And at that stage, after Chris Morris and Isur uh, Navdeep Saini bowled two quality overs to give RCB a chance, it was a Terrible decision. Going, Coley really should have been trusting his leg spinner. And when he did give the, the leg spinner the last over, he nearly made a game out of it. Kings Eleven nearly pulled off a, a massive choke to take the game to the Super Bowl, but luckily for them, Nicholas Braun just got the ball over the boundary tip. So yeah, you really got to call. Kings Eleven almost RCB that one could say. Oh yeah, you could say these are the two worst teams in IPL uh, cricketing history. And yeah, it's interesting. 
that Kings 11's... What do, what do you think about the choice of putting Gale in at third? Because it, w- it would have made sense for me to have him open with Kale Rahul, give him more time to play his dot balls and like play off those 12 balls, and then let him settle in and then get out as quickly as possible after swinging and, get, and scoring on runs. What do you guys think about putting him in at three and Agarwal as opener? Uh, I think Kings 11, just the one thing that has been working for them is their opening combo. They didn't want to mess around with it. Opening in three is not the biggest difference in the world. So I think I don't think it was a terrible decision. I think Gale even accepted that. Yes, uh, Mayank and Kale would do well, really well all tournament, and so it was appropriate for him to go to three. And obviously, yes, the way he played, he started off very slowly. It looked like he was struggling for fluency in his batting, but once once he got the balls in his slot and he took full advantage, he, we saw that vintage Gale, the vintage Gale, has dominated the IPL for almost a decade now. So I had no problems with it. Uh, when I was picking my Kings Eleven team at the start of the tournament, I had Gale Rahul opening with Mayan Gugawal at three, but obviously they went the other way around. And I think if Gale has to stay at three, it might also help them because they're not getting performances from their from Glenn Maxwell or the other middle order bats other than Nicholas Puran really. So maybe having a bit of experience there, having someone with IPL experience like and IPL run scoring band might actually help them in the in the next few games. Yeah, well, part of the reason I wanted him as opener was also that he wouldn't have to face the last few overs where getting those few runs and obviously he got run out. Uh, uh, he got run out at the end, forcing Puran to come in with one ball and hit a six um, at the end. That would that would give him less time to play in the death overs. And I guess running between the wickets isn't his strong suit. But um, I guess it, it's based on each match. So yeah. this was just a, a rare occasion. They're not expecting, they don't want Gale to be running quick singles in the death. They want yeah, Paul going out of the exactly. park. If you're right. batting no, and, 15, 20, you're not expecting anything else. Yeah, and, and not to mention, you, there's no way KL Rahul's batting at three. He's been arguably the standout IPL opener last season, season and a half. And I think, you know, um, he's not he's not been scoring very quickly at the start of his innings this tournament. And I think having Chris Gale, who can't even take those singles to get him off strike, just keep the scoreboard ticking, will put even more pressure on the middle order. And it's like you said, right? This middle order hasn't been firing at all. In fact, if you look at the lineup from the last game, after Glenn Maxwell, you're into the likes of Chris Jordan, Ravi Bishnoi, and Shami. You know, you have Chris Jordan batting at number six. That's how shallow they bat really i mean jordan's no mug with a bat but he's no number six either really batting in an ips side last game he's gonna be yeah damn i mean i mean you have you have rahul mayan gail puran then you have maxwell and then jordan there's no other back i didn't know i was not i didn't know in that that, in that 11 i think that's where rcb really really missed the trick not bowling their ace wicket taker this tournament jahal because they, they were two wickets away from bagging the game even with a what I'd say, subpar total on that wicket. Yeah. And after after the the final with Chahal bowl, that makes no sense not to bowl them earlier. And even yeah. if they didn't bowl Siraj, you went for Udana instead. That could that would have been a much better choice. Absolutely. Yeah. I don't I don't know why he bowled Udana for two of us. I mean, Udana hasn't been the most economical bowler for us, but he's also bowled really really tough overs. He's bowled in the power plane. He's bowled in the depth. Yeah. Udana got considered. He's he's done a great job. You know yeah. he's. Really, really get held up one end when he bowls at the death. So I, mean, I think not there. bowling. Yeah, and not bowling him was you know criminal, criminal misutilization. I think you know hopefully this is the wake up call that Kohli needs just to bench Siraj for the rest of the season. I think that's that's the silver lining as RCB fans we can see. Well, Kohli, you know Kohli. There's one thing Kohli loves to do is bench a player, ASAP. Absolutely. Right? So I, I, Absolutely. I'd be shocked if Siraj plays another game. 
don't know who they'll go back to. They could go for, they might go back to Umesh Shadov, which isn't, uh, which isn't, it's, I still would take Umesh Shadov over Mohamed Sirach because Umesh Shadov has those days where he bowls really well with the new ball and gets wickets. And they're equally as, as expensive. In fact, I say Siraj is slightly more expensive. So maybe we'll go back to, um, Maybe he'll take a batsman because he already has three pacers and two spinners. That's that's exactly what I was going to say. It's because um, when he has played Siraj, he's played him at the expense of Gurkirat, who acts as an extra batsman in that lineup. And I think and Gurkirat um, getting even he's not even batting. So that yeah, that's he's not batting. So taking think, the extra bowler. Yeah, but I think they just need to nail down a combination and back their specialists to do that job. You know, you need to back Jahal and Udana to both four of us apiece. Mm-hmm. Okay, you always an overseas bowler. You bring in overseas bowler. There's they should be. You should be trusting them to bowl their four overs every game. I'm glad Kohli trusts Udana to bowl his tough overs, but that over to Siraj was definitely the game changing point. RCB had a chance of choking Kale Rawl and Gale and getting into that middle order, and they, they didn't take it. But obviously, there's actually there's no reason to panic as an RCB fan. They're only a couple ways wins away, I think, from guaranteeing a playoff spot. So, and there's their first loss after three three wins in a row. So, obviously, they have a crucial game to uh, tomorrow. So we'll see how that goes. So. I'd also want to talk about Chris Morris as well, um, coming oh. in pretty recently. But he's done well. He's bat really well. Uh, 25 off eight balls, as well as his bowling figures, an economy of like around five, I believe. Um, yeah, at 5.5. Um, he's done a lot for RCB and you guys. So. Yeah, Morris has been great. Yeah, I'm sure, I'm sure you yeah, guys Chris Morris, Chris Morris has been great. I was a bit doubtful about his selection price in the auction, simply because he did have his worst IPL season last year in 2019. It seemed like a really desperate move for them to go after him, but he's been great so far. He's really been nailing the Yorkers at the death, and we also got to see his power-hitting ability, him and Udana at the end. Really took Mohamed Shami apart, which gave RCB a competitive total. After it seemed like they would just st- just stall and lumber to 150-ish. So, yeah, Chris. No, absolutely, I think. Yeah, and what I'm, what I'm really liking about Chris Morris is his bowling up front as well. You mentioned how well he's been bowling in the death, but I think... One characteristic of UAE conditions that's, you know, hampered bowlers up front is only the best bowlers are able to extract any movement. And that too, only for the first two or three overs, you're only the likes of your Trent Bolt so far have managed to do it. And Rabada. And I think Morris's ability to just get the ball to do a little bit in the first three or four overs, really, you know, his economy speaks volumes to that. But it just helps, you know... G- it helps get the bowling attack on the right foot. And I think that, you know, have, having batsmen under pressure with a couple of tight overs before the likes of um, Chahal or even Sundar come in to bowl, to finish off the power play, you know, really helps them in terms of their ability to take wickets in the middle overs. Yeah, I agree. What a, now, let's talk about this this team. They just, they're just on their, their own winning streak now. Five games in a row, Mumbai Indians. Doesn't seem to be any weaknesses in the team. They look... Honestly, even though it's not, even though it's an even year, they do look set to at least be a top two team for the playoffs. What do you think, Preston Suraj? They are absolutely clinical today. Bowling really won them this game. Um, keeping the keeping keeping KKR under one fifty was extremely crucial and made made it an easy chase. But um, obviously, you have uh, Quinton DeCock doing really well, um, seventy eight off forty four. Yeah, I mean, each of their bowlers pretty much took wickets except for Colonel Pandya. But um, great economy. What about you, Preston? What do you think? I mean, 
it was a great great performance overall i just have i just had a raised eyebrow to the selection of nathan coulter nile yeah. i was just wondering i was wondering why they'd want to change the opening bowling partnership of bolt and pattinson that arguably behind rabada notia are the best opening ball best new ball partnership in this tournament and i think their you know their performance has allowed bumrah to get into his stride and get back in after a couple of games after a couple of slow games at the start and i think you know changing that up was potentially a recipe for disaster because kultanal got taken apart he got taken for 51 i think or 50 or 51 in four overs 50. and the next highest economy was an 8 with the other three bowlers all bowling under 6. So on another day, you know, against maybe a better bowling lineup, they could have been made to work a little bit harder for those 150 runs. But I think at the end of the day, this is just a juggernaut of a team. I mean, they're great in the field. Surya Kumar Yadav's catch, you know, that about the best I've seen a backward point. Yeah. You know, they're well led. It looks as well. Yeah, and they're they're really well led. Rohit Sharma has been been here, done this, you know, four IPL trophies, most as captain. You know, that's great. They also, yeah, they're just all round machine. I think they're they're the team to beat, really, defending champions too. Yeah, about the Pattinson thing, I'm not sure, but he might have been injured. I couldn't figure out actually. I was trying to figure out now if Pattinson was injured because that seemed weird for them. Because Pattinson seemed to be one of the key. components of that team and he's been doing really well and I'm pretty sure even Australia would probably pick James Pattinson over Nathan Cooper now so oh that's that's when I saw that change I assumed he was injured cuz he does have a history of injury just managing workload is what he said at the toss okay okay that's I mean Mumbai literally have to win like one game to guarantee playoffs so I guess they yeah. they can expect yeah. and I'm pretty sure Nathan Cooper would have started if he wasn't injured Yeah, so at the at this point we're only halfway through or around halfway through the tournament. Do you think having the Mumbai bowlers after they do qualify for playoffs, do you think it would be wise to have them sit out a couple of games, rest, maybe just practice or would you suggest continuing the 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 bowling form and bowling them in matches? It it or depends really on the, it depends on the team management really. It depends on how they the bowlers feel. It's not really I'm not really in the place to comment on that. I don't know how how some bowlers prefer to play all the time and for things that keeps them fitter and going on they prefer not to have a prolonged break so it's up to them i think i think the only thing to take into consideration there is the fact that a lot of these guys haven't played a lot of cricket you know in the months leading up to this tournament so i mean as a as a cricketer i mean both of you will agree with me you don't want to sit out games right? whether it's a dead rubber game whether it's a big final you just want to be there and give your best for the team but you know some of these guys they're coming off a long break especially the likes of bumrah who hasn't played any cricket before this ipl you know the last thing you want is him getting injured not just for this ipl but also viewing coming you know the fact that we're going to australia just a couple of weeks after the ipl and we have you know a fairly long tour there i think it's really key that he manages his own workload and this is where he needs to take some responsibility as well and this yeah. is not just bumrah this is bumrah as an example but all these bowlers need to accept that they're not at their fittest that they've ever been you know and they need to ease off their workload just to make sure that they're not doing serious harm to themselves and i think that's something that they can take into account themselves but i think the elephant in the room right now while so on the topic of this game is kkr you know 
the combination that they the combinations that they're going for and of course the change of captaincy i think there's it's a, the captaincy in an ipl franchise has only changed hands a handful of times mid season so what are your thoughts on that i know i have a lot of thoughts on that i mean that. you you could clearly see morgan talking to the bowlers and talking to Dinesh Karthik every every match you'd see him like still talking to everyone and it would seem like he was playing as much of a captain role as Dinesh Karthik was every match you could see that so i mean i think this transfer is in first of all in good spirits and um Dinesh Karthik is happy to hand it over um and it's for the better of the team but um that's that those are my thoughts on that yeah um a lo- lot of respect honestly for Dinesh Karthik it mm-hmm. takes a lot of your ego to just give up the captaincy midway in the tournament but I think he did what's best for a team. He has a World Cup winning captain who is playing well right now. He's struggling with the bat. And he's also the team's way keeper. So if he feels the it's better for a team for him to focus on his batting and keeping only, I think that's that's really good for him. And I think that's a very smart move. We've seen it happen before. Uh, obviously, in 2013, Ricky Ponting was the Mumbai Indians captain. Mm-hmm. And he switched midway because he realized it was not working. Him and Sachin as an opening partnership. And him as captain wasn't working simply because he was... He was not. He was obviously post retirement, and he gave it to a young player. That young player is obviously now Rohit Sharma, and they won that season. And we've seen what Rohit Sharma has done with that franchise. And I think that's yeah. I think that's really um, that's really smart of Dinesh Karthik to do. And meanwhile, on team combination, I think yeah, KKR every season they seem to have some some last three seasons they seem to always be confused on what what their combination should be, what their batting order should be. We had, they're always confused. Should Sinorayan be opening? Should they be, should he not be in, should he just be a tail ender? Should Andre Russell be batting up the order? And this time, it seems like they've gotten a scare because of Sinorayan received, um, what he received a warning on his action. So they immediately switched him out for Chris Green. But, and now, at least now, Rahul Tripathi is back at opening, which I think is a smart move on KKR. But, I, Seven, eight games into the tournament, making changes every game, not knowing not knowing what your batting line is, first of all. I think that's really hurting them at the moment. Today, Cummins really stepped up and uh, hitting that 53, although it didn't get them the that's, win. That's very true. That's very true. But you can't you can't expect Cummins, oh, a number not. seven bat, who's, who's in the team as a frontline bowler to give you even 20 to 30 runs on a regular basis. Right, right. I mean, this but is definitely a fluke as, as in my for, mind. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that was a that was a free yeah. throw. that was a free throw by Cummins. He he's played a, well. He's a de- he's definitely he's definitely a very adept batsman, and anyone you know anyone with a pair of eyes can see that. Mm-hmm. But expecting this much of him on a regular basis is just not feasible, at least not at the moment. While he's you know in the side primarily as a bowler, but going back to the uh, you know decision of Dinesh Karthik to hand over captain, like Rishi said, you know, big props to Karthik. It's not easy to do. We're definitely taking a toll on his you know, own confidence. But I think if it's done in the right spirit, it's you know what's best for the team. However, I handing it over to Morgan, I think there's a couple of issues with that. I think if you look over the last 12 seasons of the IPL, only three international captains have ever won the trophy. And two of those were in the first two years. And the IPL now is very, very different from what it was back in the first two seasons. I think if you look at it, the... Um, the teams that have had most success, namely you know, KKR themselves winning it twice with Gambit and both Mumbai and Chennai, they've had you know, a stable captain in there for at least four or five years. 
they've you know had an Indian captain. I think having an Indian captain here is something actually a lot of football teams, European football teams, um, take keep in mind that their um, coaching staff and managers are local, just so that they're able to interact with you know the entirety of the team. I know with the KKR team, for example, there will be a significant language barrier with Morgan communicating effectively with a lot of these players, and that's something that a Dinesh Karthik, who's fluent in four languages, including English, you know, offers to the team. I think the issue with having an English player as captain of an IPL franchise, I mean, right now, yes, the IPL is in October. It doesn't interact. It doesn't, you know, coincide with the English summer. But every other year, it coincides with the English summer. We know, you know, the likes of Stokes, Butler, you know, Morgan himself. They don't play full seasons of the IPL. And having him as captain right now seems more like a stopgap solution. They need to find, you know, if that's assuming the IPL goes back to its regular April-May schedule, they'll have to find a long-term replacement. Because once, you know, it would be hard to expect Dinesh Karthik now that he's given up reins to come back next year and just pick up where he left off. Well, I mean, well, first of all, Ewan Morgan doesn't play test cricket or county cricket. So I think he and England player, England have made it clear ever since their whole one-day batting revolution that they are going to prioritize IPL. Certain players like Ben Stokes, who was too crucial to England's testing, obviously are told to come back. But obviously last year we saw a lot of players coming because of the World Cup, and that was on most countries that were playing. I, I don't have a problem with uh, having foreign players as a captain. Uh, David Warner, I think, has been an excellent captain for Sunrisers. And a lot of these players were – you said a lot of these players are not captains of their own international teams. Well, that usually has to do with – there are some other reasoning, right? Obviously, David Warner will never captain Australia after his after the scandal. That's an official rule in Create Australia. Um, who else? Same with Steve Smith. Steve Smith is Steve well. Smith eligible to captain now, but I don't think they won't be going back to them for now because of the the controversy and drama they had created. Uh, Gambier, and, and just how well Galton like, Gambier was just how well captain while Donny was there, and obviously Donny has won three IPL seasons, so. And he's an international captain. Obviously, obviously, um, it's a pretty popular. It's a growing uh, sentiment that Rohit Sharma would be a better captain than Virat Kohli. But it's pretty clear that it's pretty clear how countries work. Is usually the best player is captain ninety nine percent of the time. So I think that's more has to do with why international captains might not be the most successful captains in IPL. But Yohan Morgan's. Oh. I wouldn't call Yohan Morgan. The- Rishi, Rishi, by by international captain, I mean non-Indian. Yeah, non-Indian. Um, well, who who which international captain has not been successful in IPL? Because David Warner has been pretty successful. Kane Williamson, the one year he was captain, was uh, took the Sunrise to the finals. The biggest failure captains I know right now are is Virat Kohli, uh, Kings Eleven captain Steve Smith, Steve Smith. But Rajasthan, Steve Smith not, has he always been captain of Rajasthan? Uh. Yeah, Ajinkya Rahani captained uh, our Rajasthan earlier last season, and he got dumped midway. He he, he only um, captained when Smith was injured. Right. No, he, he Smith, cap- Smith has always been. He captained like, the first uh, half of Rajasthan yeah, Royal no. season because it was just D Smith's first game coming back a- after a one-year period, and immediately they dumped him midway, and then immediately when D Smith became captain, they got better results. I don't think that has anything to do with it. To be honest, I think. Rajasthan Royals has found better team combination, but no, I don't. I don't buy the whole international captains aren't successful. I think I think we need to give Morgan his run out for it to run its course. But I think a couple of his decisions this game itself. You know, obviously this is now going a little bit 
you know, in the microanalysis. But I, I was really confused by his decision to hold Shiva Mavi back because he bowled, he bowled Prasid Krishna in the power play. Krishna showed himself to be a very, very good death bowler. He showed that when he bowled those two overs in the depth to um, against Kings eleven. And he, you know, returned that game with really, really solid figures. But I think Krishna's shown, you know, in the past that he's not adept at bowling in the power play. And, you know, he does get taken advantage of when the field is up. I think Shiva Mavi is the exact opposite. He's bowled well with a moving ball. You know, the just just the way he got Rohit Sharma's wicket today, uh, yesterday with that, you know, gem of a delivery on off stump. I think that, you know, having him bowl that in the power play rather than in the middle overs when the game was all but done was you know, a little pointless I feel and you know yeah I think I think it is unfair the fact that he had you know Chris Green you know for all all his merits he's not Narayan so I think it's a little bit harsh to you know he is he has been thrown a little in the deep end but I think a couple of his decisions could use some fine tuning going forward. Well, what if I say that Chris Green's better than Narayan as a bowler? It. I mean, do the stats back you up there? I think so. Chris Green has been one of the most economical spinners in all 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 of T20 leagues. This is obviously the first time playing IPL, so an IPL is the pinnacle of all leagues. So I can't really comment there. But Sunil Narayan's uh whole clout, clout rep right now is simply because of the the batting he brings. So his bowling has not been there's nothing amazing about Sunil Narayan's bowling in the last three four seasons. Chris Green has been a standout performer in Big Bash. He even captained the CPL team. PSL, all the other leagues. I think, I think he has a good chance. Uh, I think he has a good uh, few games now to prove himself for KKR if they continue with him. It's a very, he's a very intelligent bowler. He has a lot of different types of arm balls. Got, he's got a lovely away swinger as well, and he uses the seam position very well. And I don't know, Sunil Ryan, he's he's not going to come back better because now he's going to have to remodel his action again, or or he's going to be hesitant on bowling a lot of the variations that do. Provoke a bend arm, so I don't know. I think I would. I would. I think Chris Green is actually a smart pick over Sunil Ryan. But she, Chris Green can also bat, so it's not like they're replacing an all rounder with a bowler. Chris Green can hit the ball. I mean, okay, I'm I'm seeing uh, both Green and Narayan have comparable economies. They both, you know, are comparable in terms of their run saving ability. But maybe a lot of this is due to the fact that um, Narayan did bowl a lot more before he had to remodel his action the first time. But his wicket-taking, I think, trumps, gre- trumps Greens. And I think the way KKR used him as a wicket-taker, as a gun wicket-taker, similar to the way that Mumbai used Jaspreet Bumrah, I think that like X-factor is something that you know, Narayan at least used to bring. And I think the way Shubman Gill's batting, you know, he's he's been scoring runs, don't get me wrong, but he's been scoring them in your strike rate of under 120 all tournament. And I think that would be all right if he had someone like a Narayan constantly tonking at 200, batting with him. Obviously, Narayan didn't do that this season. But it, show, it shows that, you know, for him to work, he needs to have someone who's able to keep the run sticking at the other end. And I think, you know, Rahul Tripathi in that one innings, he did show that he could do it. But I don't think... You know, he as a batsman will value his wicket more than Narayan, and that will make him naturally more uh, have more inhibitions in terms of playing those outrageous shots that Narayan can do when he's going well. Yeah, I think you're entirely right on that point because it, we saw that the one above 50, like 70 odd runs that Shubman Gill got was with Owen Morgan at the end, constantly rotating strike and batting with him. 
the entire time advising him where to go. So I think, yeah, you're, you're on the right track with that, with that thought. We're done with the IPL combo right now, but we're going to move on to ODI spinners, uh, finger spinners precisely. Um, there's not actually too many of them. They're pretty rare, but um, we have the likes of Jadeja. Who else? Keshav Maharaj is going to come in now. And then uh, Moin Ali and then et cetera. But there's not too many of them. Uh, usually leggy stick to the ODI games. But um, we're just going to have a conversation on who the best finger spinner is, and uh, we'll go from there. But um, what are you guys' thoughts? Well, who? I don't think y'all are going to be shocked at who I say is the best finger spinner. This, this guy I picked, he's another underrated player, just like most players in this country is. And he, uh-huh. and he bowled extremely well in the World Cup. I think a lot of Indian fans remember what he did in the middle overs after the pounding that New Zealand fast bowlers did, but I got to go with Mitchell Sander. He's one of the most economical finger spinners in, in um, one day cricket. He's one of the, he was honestly one of the rare spinner finger spinners that has been surviving and been playing consistently since 2015. A lot of the other finger spinners that I'm pretty sure Preston and Serge and I are going to bring up later have been dropped. They've had form struggles. simply because it finger spin is a tough, tough thing to bowl in one day cricket because the pitches are so flat and they don't get as much purchase as a leg spinner and they because of IC crackdowns on actions they're not able to bowl the Dusra and other balls that can spin away posing a second challenge to the batsman so it's been a tough game and I think Mitchell Center has done extremely well to survive playing this game especially in New Zealand where the boundaries are so short and the pitches never give any assistance to spinners he bowls up ideal length he's able to spin it when in when he's when there is purchase on the wicket and he's able to keep the runs tight all the time picking up wickets here and there so i'd i'd probably go with mitchell sander we saw him choke plenty of teams in the world cup and he he fits extremely well into the way kane williamson captains his team yeah absolutely i think sander not only the world cup i think if you wind back a couple of years the last world t20 that was in india yeah. Our opener at Nagpur, the way he, you know, he he made Indians look like they couldn't play spin. Like he made the Indians as clueless as the Indians have made, you know, the likes of England before they actually learned how to play spin look on it, on turning tracks. And I think that speaks volumes just to how the quality of his spin. spin. But, you know, before I bring up my names, just a quick one to this year as, you know, our resident spinner. How important do you think for, like, not just Santner, but in general, the trend of success for spinners being more left-handed, like especially finger spinners. You know, you have Santner, Wasim, and Jadeja. You know, three of arguably the best finger spinners going around in limited overs cricket. They're all left-handed. You know, do you think there's something there? Because you mentioned, yeah, um, finger spinners' inability to turn the ball away from right-handers. So, is how big a role does that play? You think? I think because the most most bowler most bats intend to be right-handed in this game so having a left arm one thing about a left arm spinner is that they're able to if the ball is not turning they're able to bowl a lot arm balls a lot of flat balls and still threaten the stumps and the batsmen always have the fear of the ball is going to spin so they always have their front pad in the way which always gives them the lbdu candidate i i am a right arm off spinner and i always joke around to my left arm spinner Left arm spinner friends, they have it too easy. They can spin the ball and be deadly, and when it doesn't spin the ball, they're still hard to play simply because they can just bowl fast onto the pads, which is probably why left arm spinners does have more success. A right arm off spinner, there's not too many lefties compared to righties, and a right arm off spinner is easy to pick off. If it's not turning, you can easily just play through the line, and when it, even if it does turn a bit, that immediately puts you in, into a Basson's arc and allows you to sweep, slog sweep, come down the wicket. So... That's probably why left arm spinners dominate the most. 
they're definitely a lot harder to play than right arm spinners. Absolutely. And I think that's why, you know, I've, we've listed out some of the top you know, limited over spinners. And, you know, it, it took us a while because you have, as I mentioned, you know, Imad Wasim, Mitch Sandner, who's obviously, you know, the standout, I'd say, in this list, along with Jareja. Yeah. Jareja. We've, we've all said we're big fans of Jareja. You know, he offers, you know, a lot with the ball. He offers a lot with the bat. And most importantly, I think he's like one of the best fielders going around World Cricket. And I think, you know, his ability to just bowl five deliveries that'll go on with the arm and then just get one to turn out of the blue just like stumps most batsmen. And I think, especially the pace at which he bowls, he's nigh on unplayable. So I think he's, you know, He's India's, I'd say, the best best um, finger spinner that gets picked for India. I think, you know, he, he 100% merits a place in the squad. I mean, he shows his utility with a bat. I mean, everyone everyone remembers that World Cup semi-final where he came in, you know, five wickets down and nearly won us that game. Yeah, Jadid and you know, Mitchell Sutter are pretty uh, similar players. They both bring a lot with a bat, ball both excellent fielders, and I definitely think if I was picking a team, I would probably go with Jadeja over Sandner. But I, I because I think Jadeja brings a lot more with the bat and fielding, but I think just purely based on based on spin stats and based on bowling, I would go with Sandner. But you can't go wrong with either. Jadeja's Exactly. I thought about what Sandner did in the semifinal. We saw what Jadeja did in the semifinal. Exactly. So yeah. And I think, you know, if we had to if we had to expand this conversation a little, I think the only names that come to mind really in terms of being, you know, adept at bowling in limited overs, you know, games, you have the likes of Moin Ali. You know, obviously he's been England's standout, standout, you know, finger spinner. Obviously he's had to play major second fiddle to Adil Rashid, but you know, he's he's also just shown from time to time how useful he can be as a spinner. And then and then you know yeah, it really I mean, it really gets it. So so do you want to take it from here? Yeah. Yeah. If we're talking about greatest spinner right now. Um, this guy's a right-hand um, off-spinner, a finger-spinner. And as you said, it's pretty tough to be one in ODI cricket. But he is, in my mind, one of the best finger-spinners this game has provided ever, actually. And um, it's not Jadeja, it's not Mitch Santner, but it's, in fact, the man, the myth, the legend, Joey. <laughs> he is honestly <laughs> one of... <laughs> He is one of the greatest spinners in the game <laughs> and the game that has to offer Dude. right now. And you guys laugh, but I'm no, no, serious. The I'm ball he bowled to David I'm Warner, if somebody saw Cricket oh for the God, first time yeah. and they saw that spell, they would think Joe Root's also a goat. Goated off-spinner. No, Joe, he's, 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 yeah, he's England's Yuvrat Singh, England's Virendra Sehwag from like yeah. way back, right? He's a man with a golden arm. He's, it's more than a golden arm, but I think he's a genuinely good spinner. It's just obviously when you're that good of a batsman and you're the captain, you're not going to be allowed to focus on that part of his game. But he genuinely has good spin talent. He definitely is a very viable off-spinner. A couple of years ago, I actually yeah, I, searched uh, a person, actually. I was going to – Boy Nelly was actually gonna, the person I thought who was the best finger spinner in World Cup. I remember in 2018 when he was cleaning up the Aussie teams consistently getting three wickets, four wickets. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I thought yeah. he was the best finger spinner right, in the world. Right. There wasn't too many because this, this is the time when India were like, we're done with Ashwin, we're done with you, Ashwin. Today, it's leg spin, leg spin for the win. So I thought Moyne Hill had a good case, but he's been poor ever since the World Cup in one day cricket and doesn't even look like it looks like a source is implying that his spot might be taken up by Joe Root here. <laughs> that, Definitely. That's that's actually what I have in mind. But yeah. um, I mean, you guys were opposed to this initially, but I still think that Joe Root should be bowling some overs and should bowl himself more in test matches as well, not just ODIs. Because 
as a captain, he doesn't feel like the compelled to bowl himself that often, but he has the ability to bowl out the middle overs and doesn't need to strain off. Like he can take off a lot of a load off of the other bowlers and it's, it, it would ease up the lineup there. And he, he still has the ability to keep a good economy going, but he won't pick up any wickets, but that doesn't really matter. I think, test. Um, that's yeah, I think Joe Root can easily give you five, six overs to the one day game. And I think he has a role in all types of, conditions in test cricket and ODI cricket. He can play if England want to go with a full seam attack or only one center, he can definitely play a holding role whenever he's needed to. In a in a Indian week, subcontinent wicket, he could definitely be the third or fourth spinner that can provide you overs. And yeah, he's proven himself to be a good better than it's not completely fair to call him a part timer anymore. Especially we saw like especially I think in the South Africa tour, Joe Root took the liberty of every time coming on to bowl to Quindicock. He saw Quindicock was a little too obsessed with trying to hit Joe Root, and he kept going at him. Every time Quindicock, he'd come in and bowl, and he eventually got him out three times in that series. And, and if you can get quality bats like Quindicock, David Warner out, you definitely have some talent there. So, yeah. Yeah, but it, exactly. It's it's also like the left-arm finger spinner to a right-hand batsman. He can be utilized in the overs where you're, he's a right-hand finger spinner and moving, or bowling to a left batsman, left-hand yeah. batsman. So I mean that's that's a place where he can be not very not if Virat Kohli is his captain and there's a right hand at the wicket, but that that's a debate for that's that's a debate for another time. Dude, dude, he can have Kohli will have if a lefty's playing and Kohli has Chahal, he's not going to bowl him. (laughs) He can have Shane Warne and I am really daring. Depending on what the dude. Washington for their yeah, but... batting or Shane Warren. Shane Warren. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'm I'm glad Suraj brought up the best your finger spinner the game has ever produced though. Because actually <laughs> while while you know Root has his merits and while you know, <laughs> all jokes aside, you know, he, he has shown that he's a very, very handy ball. I think the honestly the best spinner this game has produced, who's you know, I believe very unjustly removed from the ODI, limited over setup altogether, actually, was our Ashwin. I know, you know, Kuldeep and Chahal bowled very well in tandem the first few years that they were bowling. And Chahal has, you know, evolved his game a little bit. He started varying his pace and he's able to bowl in conditions where the ball isn't turning as much. But I think Kuldeep has really, you know, flatlined that way. He's, uh, you can see that by his economy now. His economy in ODI games is regularly between five and seven. And I think for someone who's brought in as a Chinaman bowler, who's tricky to pick, you know, that's just not okay. And I think that's where, you know, someone like an Ashwin can come back. And I'm a big, big fan of our Ashwin. I think Ashwin walks into, you know, 10 out of 10 bowling attacks in international cricket today. And he makes that bowling attack better. He's just such a brilliant cricketer. He's such a thinking cricketer, you know. And when he was dropped from the Indian side, he worked on becoming a leg spinner. And for half of, you know, half of his stint captaining Punjab, he bowled leg spin every time there was a right-hander at the crease. So Kohli didn't even have an excuse to take him out of the attack. Yeah, Preston, I completely agree with you there. I, I, when jo- when Ravi Ashwin was dropped from the England, from the Indian one-day team, I was, I was kind of happy about it. Because I was just very upset with how he bowled in the championship final. Because I thought he bowled ridiculously terrible for a, of his experience, but when I look back at it now, I don't even know if that was completely justified. But it's it worked for a couple of years, obviously. Uh, Chahal and Kohli came in with an absolute bang, they both 
were picking up wickets consistently. That South Africa series where they just kept cleaning up the middle order. I thought Ashwin and Jadeja were actually done, but they eventually went back to Jadeja. And now with Kulip flattening, even though I don't believe Kulip is out of the Indian setup, and I think he does have a huge future in the Indian team. I don't think you can just disregard a bowler of Ashwin's quality. As a as a pure spinner, I think he's the best thinking spinner. I've said this before in one of our earlier podcasts. Ashwin is one of the smartest spinners in the game. He knows more about the game than I reckon the average international spinner does. And the way he's worked on his improvement in variations, knowing when to bowl it, bowling leg spin, bowling carom balls, two, three different types of arm balls, which we have seen in IPL and in test cricket, that works extremely well against lefties. He's having an amazing IPL season. I think he's actually ha- had three really good IPL seasons in a row, two for Punjab and this season for Delhi. And if he can bowl in the IPL against all, all types of batsmen, he's bowling well to righties, bowling well to lefties, getting big wickets, getting Butler, getting Nicholas Puran through the gate. I definitely think India should be looking at him. They shouldn't disregard him completely just because of one terrible match he had in the Champions Trophy. Obviously, yes, fingerspin is not the future in one-day cricket at the moment, but I don't think it's fair to just look at Ashwin as to be just a fingerspinner at the moment. He's bo- he's more than just that. He's uh, extremely talented. He's, extre- he's extremely experienced. We can't forget what an amazing stats he has in, a, in the 2015 World Cup, two World T20s, 2014, 2016, he, 2013 Champions Trophy. So he's already won ODI tournaments and important games for India and I think he was he was in the World Cup squad as well he did play he did play a couple of games in the 2011 World Cup as well yeah 2011 World Cup too yeah but exactly so I don't think it's I think obviously if Ashwin wants to be in the ODI setup Kohli is pretty strict that they're not going to take any liabilities on the field so obviously he'll need to work a lot on his fielding which seems to be and especially in one day cricket because you're not you're just not allowed to just directly just replace someone with a 12 man 150 overs in the game he needs to work on his fielding, of course. And obviously, if he gets that batting form back, that'll be an added plus. But he already is a better batsman than Jahal and Kulip Yadav. So I don't think I'd fix it too much on his batting. And, and I think if you're going to pick Kulip Yadav, who's not only you know as slow across the deck as Ashwin is, who's also got less safe hands. Like, let's not forget, while Ashwin isn't the quickest across the turf and won't be, you know, diving to save fours at long on in the 50th over, he has a really, really safe pair of hands. He showed that when he's played in the test side, he feels it slip very, very regularly. You know, before the likes of Rohit Sharma made the test, you'd feel that slip. You'd be there, you know, 100, like 90 overs a day, and he would, you know, not drop a single catch. I think... That that is something that he offers even in the field that Yadav doesn't. Let's not forget, you know, go coming out of this IPL, Kuldeep Yadav hasn't had a good IPL. He's been he's been warming the bench most of this IPL. And I think Ashwin should really be, you know, one of one of the first names while talking about a spin cohort for the Australian tour. Because on pitches like that where there is bounce and where his height will play a role and give him an advantage. He'll be an incredible asset. And he's not, like Rishi said, he's not the same bowler he was in 2013. You know, He's worked on his game a lot, obviously. And I think if there's ever a time to call him back to the Indian setup, it's now. Because you know, while we listed out the, you know, the elite, you know, air court, elite, you know, finger spinners in world cricket, I think Ashwin is just a whole different league. Yeah. You, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but he's he's a game changer. And I think yeah. it's about he make a return. Yeah, I think I think India should definitely be looking at Ashwin. We have four years until the next World Cup. If they need to, if if they need to experiment a couple more series with their with their spinners, it's absolutely as a fan, I would have no issues with that. 
Australia tour, I don't, I don't think you have to, we have to be worried. Uh, if, the, if you're talking about the Test tour, Ashwin will, Ashwin will be the first spinner on that tour easily. No, I'm, I'm talking about the limited overs leg as well. Okay. I'm talking because we have there, there is a you know three ODI and three T20. Oh, I'm not worried about that um, big series as well. I'm not worried about that because something because I think India are favorites there. So, but yeah, Test side obviously has a, uh, he definitely will be the first spinner. And yeah, the way Ashwin bowls is he's not. Uh, He's not just a one-dimensional rider moth spinner who's going to spin the ball and turning wickets and just get thrashed on a flout. He's way smarter than that. He has he has like four, three, four different ways of bowling a ball turning into the, into a left-hander, three, two different types of seam arm balls. So I'd definitely be considering he's bowling extremely well. This and, you know, with, with all, you know, Rishi brought up the question of actions and, you know, um, finger spinners not able to turn the ball away from right hand as well. Ashwin's been able to do that for the last decade. He has arguably the best. He has the best carrying ball in world cricket. You know, with with your Narayans getting called up for actions, your Senanayakas getting called up for actions, Akila Dhanajaya getting called up for an action. You know, the one guy who's bowled a carrying ball for the last decade. You know, who bowls the carrying ball best, if I may say so. You know, he's never had an issue. Right? That's Ashwin. And I think, you know, just the fact that he's able to do that and just being a right-arm off-spin, I think if he does make a return to limited overs cricket, just having a right-arm finger spinner will make him be targeted a little, I think, by opposition yeah. batsmen. And that's when, you know, he's he's big time in business because, you know, he doesn't get too many wickets in, you know, limited overs games when batsmen are trying to just play him out. But as soon as batsmen try to take him on, he's a whole other animal. And I think, you know. Yeah. yeah. And there's no way to waxing lyric. When teams see a right arm off they're obviously, especially if you have a right hander as batsman, they're going to be going after him. And I think if you just put Ashwin in the game, put him against anyone, put him against a, put him against Jason Roy, Johnny Bear. So he'll ha- he'll definitely be able to survive, I believe. He'll easily, can easily counter Fox these type of aggressive batsmen that dominate one day cricket. So, yeah. His IPL, I think he's he's only shown a glimpse of his best. I think he's going to have even better, and he's going to if Delhi do end up winning this IPL, I think Ashwin is going to be like one of their key players. We've seen the combo he does with Akshar Patel right now, and I could easily see him doing that again with Jadeja or Chahal for India. Absolutely. So, hundred percent. Moving on, I think uh, Prasan being an extremely avid watcher <laughs> of Pakistani cricket. <laughs> Um, he, he he was super disappointed about Marco retiring and announcing his retirement today. But in all seriousness, he was a great T20 player. Um, but yeah, Preston, I'm sure you would like to talk about. Yeah, well, I, I mean, when when I brought up bringing uh, you know talking about this with Rishi and Suraj, you know, Rishi was like, "Oh, I thought he was just one of those players that just you know disappeared." And that is that is largely true. You know, he hasn't played in enough cricket, enough fat fat minutes. But I think, you know, you can't discount his contribution to Pakistani, Pakistan limited overs cricket in particular, but Pakistan cricket as a whole. You know, in a time where, you know, Shoei Bakhtar was reaching his last legs, when, um, you know, Pakistan was just going through a bit of turmoil. They were no longer the most feared bowling attack in the world. He would, you know, bowl a solid 20 to 30 overs a day in test cricket. He, when T20 cricket first came around in the 2007 T20 World Cup, he was one of the best the bowlers out there. He you know, owned the death overs for Pakistan. He was a great exponent of reverse swing. I think, you know, yes, you know, he's fallen off a little bit and the new generation of Pakistani seamers have taken over. But let's not forget that he has almost a thousand wickets across professional cricket in a career spanning over twenty years. So just happy retirement, you know. Great career. Yeah. That's 
Um, I have to say, when I started watching cricket, obviously Umar Gul was probably back then Pakistan's best fast bowler at the time. I started watching cricket around 2011, 2012, so he was one of the leading T20 bowlers as well and ODI bowlers. So yeah, that definitely that definitely is does hit a bit of my childhood seeing it. He retired. I kind I can't even pinpoint when actually he started falling off the Pakistan career team. If I remember last he played the 2014 World T20, but yeah, he was he was extremely good Yorker bowler. He had. He has had, I think he had at one point, he had the best figures in T20 cricket. I think he picked up a five wicket or six wicket haul. And he did, he did, he was a key component of Pakistan's 2009 World T20 victory. So he's definitely one, definitely a very, very high quality player. I'm pretty sure if he would have played a lot of IPL seasons as well, if it hadn't been for the relationships India and Pakistan have, he, he was a quality, quality death bowler. So yeah. Uh, Wish, I wish him luck in case he ever watched this podcast. <laughs> He's watching it right now. That'd be great. Or listening to it, in fact. Yeah. Just believe. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was a really good podcast, guys. Uh, good conversation. It was, it was a shorter one, but it was still enjoyable. Um, next few podcasts, the subsequent podcast, we'll be talking about some more interesting topics as well. Um, relating to different formats and whether players should which players should stick with which format or if they should play all three but um yeah that's in the next or the following podcast after that but um look forward to that um really good conversation guys thank um, you I'll guys talk to Let's you guys yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah whatever that means <laughs>